0: Beef and Forage Roundup with host Chantal McCrae. This podcast is a production of Manitoba Beef and Forage Initiatives created to share information with farmers, producers, and agriculture enthusiasts to showcase the important work that is happening at MBFI. Our podcasts drop on the first and third Wednesday each month. We will be sharing information through interviews with General Manager Mary Jane Orr, project leads for various projects, MBFI team members, speakers from our extension events industry leaders, and industry suppliers. This podcast will dig deep into on-farm research and field testing practices related to beef cattle and forage production, and efficiency and sustainability of practice in the agricultural industry in Manitoba. We will be sharing information on upcoming training and workshops, field and farm demonstration tours, education materials and events at MBFI, as well as producer profiles from around the province, and information on their own trials, challenges, innovation, and results we encourage you to browse our social media accounts and website for links to more information on projects, upcoming events, and important deadlines. Information on our social accounts and website can be found following the show and in the show notes. As always, we encourage you to email us if you have feedback, questions, or topic suggestions for the show at information at mbfi.ca. Doug Allison has been a beef sales consultant with Cargill Animal Nutrition for the last 23 years. In his role, he works with livestock producers in the feedlot and cow-calf businesses, helping to balance their feed programs, looking at ration costs, and identifying the best cost scenarios. Doug has worked with many operations in Manitoba and eastern Saskatchewan. He develops nutritional solutions with products designed with Cargill's Beefmax Ration Balancing Program, and markets brand-named products like the Right Now Mineral Program, which is registered with Altacid IGR. Casey White was born and raised on a commercial cow-calf operation south of Marfa, Texas. After receiving a Bachelor of Science degree in Animal Science from Angelo State University, he attended Texas A&M University, where he was awarded a Master of Science degree in Entomology with a focus on medical and veterinary entomology. Upon graduation, Casey managed the Veterinary Entomology Research Laboratory at New Mexico State University for two years. His work was focused around conducting industry-sponsored efficacy evaluations of various insecticidal formulations against pest species of livestock. For the past 19 years, Casey has been employed with Central Life Sciences and currently serves as the Senior Director of Technical Services and Innovation. In this role, he manages a group of entomologists, responsible for supporting customers, end users, and sales and marketing groups, as well as conducting field trials, product evaluations, demonstrations, and education of the existing products in their portfolio. Today, I'm talking with Doug Allison and Casey White about the Altacid Insect Growth Regulator, IGR, Mineral Supplement Impacts on Hornfly Populations in Manitoba. The study was carried out in collaboration with MBFI. Welcome to the podcast, Doug and Casey.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Before we get into the project, can each of you share a little bit of information about your history and background, specifically as it relates to agriculture?
2: Yeah, my name is Casey White. I'm the Senior Director of Technical Services and Innovation for Central Life Sciences. And uh, my background is I grew up in the southwest part of the state of Texas in the U.S. My family has commercial cow-calf operation, which they still operate today. I have a degree in animal science from Angelo State University, and then went on to Texas AM and got a master's degree in medical veterinary entomology. Spent two years at New Mexico State University doing contract research studies, mostly industry sponsored studies that supported you know, efficacy for new product registrations that they were submitting, and then got hired on by who is now Central Life Sciences. And worked for the most of my time here in research and development and just transitioned to the technical services role here about eight months ago.
0: Perfect. Thank you. And Doug?
1: Currently, I'm working with Cargill. I've been working with them for almost 23 years now in the Manitoba and eastern side of Saskatchewan geography. I've been working with cow-calf and feedlot, mostly background in producers. Over that time, I do work with our dealer network across Manitoba and Saskatchewan. Previous to that, I used to manage the Douglas Bull Test Station for seven years. I was with uh, Alta Genetics, Western Breeders for a number of years. Our family has been in the grain and livestock industry our whole lives, and I've been working in the industry in some facet all the way through. had a purebred operation, cattle operation. So I'm just, it's nice to be able to work with producers uh, all over and, uh, you know, in the geography that I'm in.
0: Thank you. And Doug, as a beef sales consultant for Cargill Feed and Nutrition in Manitoba, can you start off by telling us a little bit about the new product for Hornfly Control that's registered in Canada?
1: Yes, this uh, product came in, I think about four or five years ago, uh, into uh, Canada. Central Life Sciences and Cargill work together to get the registration in place to be able to bring that into the loose mineral business. With Cargill, we have it in our Right Now Minerals. We've had it in the Right Now Emerald product for a number of years, and then just recently in the Right Now Onyx mineral. So uh, this product is, you know, we've we seen a, a need and a place for it in Canada. And, you know, since we brought it in, we've, you know, it was, it was really nice to work with uh, MBFI on the research on the Onyx product and, it's been uh, well accepted and well used in the, in the industry out there, definitely in places where it's a uh, you know, wetter type of climate and you know, more humid and wet conditions, a lot of water, which we have lots in our province.
0: In the study, Altacid was formulated with the Right Now Onyx Mineral, like you've said. Can you describe the benefits of this mineral formulation and what other options are available?
1: Yeah, the, the Right Now Onyx is our chelated mineral program that we have. We've seen, the, we've seen the need, definitely, uh, in the chelated component. Right now, emerald is just our, our non-chelated version. But we've seen the onyx, the need for it, definitely in wet conditions where producers are having a lot of foot rot issues and pink eye issues. That's where the chelation comes in. Definitely in our provinces, Manitoba, Saskatchewan, there's a lot of high sulfate waters uh, out there. So that's where the chelation component can, comes in to an advantage, you know, over non-chelated. In other areas, the Emerald program with the Altacid, it uh, also uh, carries a place, you know, in the industry where uh, you don't have maybe quite as many challenges, but we were, you know, interested in doing a study with the Onyx program and uh, see how that, see how that worked.
0: This might be me, but I haven't never heard the term chelated before. Can you Mm -hmm. describe what that means for our listeners?
1: Yeah, chelated minerals are just a little better absorption into the bloodstream. You know, all minerals uh, by animals are taken in and uh, the mineral is is absorbed, you know, into the bloodstream and stored in the liver. What we see with chelation is the availability absor- absorption is greater than sulfide and oxide minerals. And definitely in places where there's water challenges, you know, there's uh, foot rot issues, there's maybe molybdenum issues. Those are the places where a chelated mineral will come into play. Also in, you know, breeding pastures where there's been some difficulties on conception rates, uh, that's where chelation comes into place also. And that's kind of the difference between the chelated and non-chelated.
0: Thank you. On a broad level, what are external parasites and how do they negatively impact livestock?
1: Well, you'll get external parasites, you know, include mites, ticks, lice, and flies. And, you know, this product here is what, what it does is works with the horn flies. You know, this product will help, you know, stop hatching of the eggs in the larva. S- situation is where the altacid IGR comes into place. has a benefit of decreasing the fly population, which enhances cattle being out grazing more and more benefits and economic opportunities for them when they're grazing and, uh, and producing milk for the calves.
0: And when is horn fly pressure most prevalent in Manitoba?
1: Well, Manitoba, definitely, you know, a lot of the manure out there is going to carry eggs and uh, they typically don't hatch until you get into, say, 65 degree weather. So once it starts getting warmed up, so you're going to start seeing, you know, hatching of those those eggs and the flies in, you know, in May and June. And uh, that's why we, you know, recommend the product to be able to put out in May to be able to you know, get the first hatch of those eggs. You know, then the cows are consuming that mineral and uh, then they're getting, you know, the in into the manure and which helps just the evolution of those, those flies, you know, being hosts on the cows and then dropping their eggs in the fresh manure. So, but typically you'll always see it's May, June, July, you know, but mostly June, July are our main months.
0: Those months when it's a little bit warmer. Yep. You've kind of alluded to this already, but what are the benefits of feeding ulticid mineral to cattle?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, is just the fly pressure. You know, you drive around the countryside, you see all these cows, you know, typically once you start seeing them in June, July, into June, July, you start seeing cows stockpiled up in the windward corners, you know, of the pastures to get away from the fly pressure. Lots of times in that windward corner, they'll beat down that grass and and just turn it into more dirt, you know, where there's not as much fly pressure. So with the Altacid product, what it does is it lessens that impact of that fly pressure. So those cows and calves are out grazing when they should be in the mid part of the day, you know, and if they're going to be grazing, they're going to be producing more milk. They have more body condition, you know, less pressure those on those cows from those flies that they're uh, not trying to take away from that body condition and uh, milking ability. So it's nice to have them that they're out grazing midday versus being stockpiled in the corners.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you've kind of mentioned this already as well, but how does this product prevent the completion of the hornfly life cycle?
1: They in the mineral the cattle consume it, and then their manure is going to get treated. And I think Casey will go into this in a lot more in depth. But you know, with that manure being treated, the horn flies are the flies on the back of the cows that are not good flyers, so they stay close to the cow, the host. They'll go and drop their eggs in the fresh manure, and then back to the host, and that evolution for that cycle continues. But with the With the and the manure, what it does is that it stops those eggs from hatching in the larvae stage and uh, thus decreasing the fly population, and that's the idea of the product so that those cattle can get out without pressure, you know they're grazing more, and uh, that way you know it's it's better for them that they're consuming this product, they're they're milking better, they're eating you know there's no challenges for them or not as many challenges with less fly population.
0: And what is the recommended utilization of the Alcid mineral? And what are some tips and tricks that you would have to support the uptake of free choice mineral provision? Because there's sometimes we hear of producers who have free choice mineral that's available, but maybe their cattle aren't consuming as much as what they need to be consuming in order for it to be effective.
1: Yeah, you'll you'll definitely see, you know, this study was very interesting and interesting for myself too, because we did a three-day trial and you know, on the amount of mineral that was put out and then and recorded every three days before new mineral was added again. And we I've seen this over the years that, you know, as you get into different geographies, different environments, dry matter of the grass, you know, whether it's really wet or, or really gets dried out in the summertime, you're going to see in intake fluctuations. In a typical pasture, uh, recommended rate here on our products is 100 grams. But as you can see in the study, that's why we wanted to do the onyx too. We know that an onyx, you know, has a little bit more bitterness in it. And we wanted to see what that intake was versus what we know is with the emerald. But we didn't see the intakes we wanted on this study. But we did see that when the cows in the Brookdale farm were in more closed grazing pastures, the intake was higher. And that's what we typically see, you know, more more mob grazing closer to the mineral feeders. You'll see a little, you know, more intake, more uptake on that product or any any product versus just a a free range type of pasture situation. And then, you know, between the two farms that we've seen here, you know, the Johnson Farm is definitely on drier ground and not as much standing water versus the Brookdale Farm. It was interesting to see even with the Brookdale Farm, they weren't in the controlled Paddocks, uh, our intake was not quite as high as compared to the controlled paddocks. But normally you'll see intake in any product variation from time to time, depending on year, depending on dry matter of the grass, and uh, just seasonalities.
0: And I'm glad you brought up the specifics of the study because that reminded me to make sure that I mentioned that we will link the whole study into the show notes for this episode. So if there are listeners who would like more information on the specifics of this project, then they can go to the show notes and they can follow that link and get all that information from there. What was the main objective of trialing the altacid IGR mineral at MBFI?
1: I think the main thing was just to be able to see what it's like in in Canada. A lot of our studies that we, you know, have seen have been more in the United States and we wanted to see what they were up. You know, in Manitoba, especially being in a little wetter environment, humid environment, you know, more standing water in places and see what that was like versus maybe other geographies. And it was interesting because there was definitely two different different geographies, you know, only 15 miles apart from the Brookdale farm to the, uh, the Johnson farm outside of Brandon. So, you know, it was interesting to see that the differences of how the product worked and you know, it was interesting to uh, just that observation uh, and how it uh, affected, you know, the fly population.
0: Great. Thank you. And we have a couple of questions for you later on, but I have a few questions for Casey now first. So Casey is the Senior Director of Technical Services and Innovation with Central Life Sciences, which is based in Dallas, Texas. You were the study director and developed the study protocol to be carried out by MBFI you were additionally involved in the project by carrying out the image analysis on hornfly counts to determine the effectiveness of the altasoid treatment mineral. Can you outline the experimental approach to evaluate the impact on hornfly presence?
2: Yeah, early on we got together with MBFI and, and Doug and others with Cargill to design the study and, and what we thought would be, you know, the the most effective efficacy demonstration trial that we could put together and and one of the things that we typically do is is we recommend the product be incorporated into a mineral and offered about 30 days prior to the start of your horn fly season. So we were able to get this started at the end of April. I think it went through October, which was well past, you know, when weather kind of restricts the activity of, of the horn fly just naturally. But started in late uh, April, we wanted to make sure that we kept treated mineral out in front of those animals. so. As Doug mentioned earlier, we settled on going through and and monitoring those mineral feeders and and replacing mineral, taking consumption data every three days. That was just to ensure that treated mineral was always offered to the animals. We typically design all of our studies and recommend on, on labels to have at least one mineral feeder per 25 head. So that was incorporated into the study design the cattle were broken up into two groups. They were cow-calf pairs. I think the, the animals were in the middle of calving uh, at the very beginning and, and throughout the first part of the study. But as Doug mentioned, again, they, they were broke up into groups. Some of them were sent to the Brookdale Farm. Some of them stayed the Johnson Farm. The Johnson Farm was, was our untreated control group. They were offered the same mineral just without the Alphacid product formulated. In it, And the Brookdale farm was our treated group of cattle. Natural uh, populations of of horn flies are test system or challenge throughout the study. We let those horn fly populations grow naturally and and, uh, populate those animals. We asked that no other parasiticidal treatments were administered to these animals during the course of this study, just so we knew that any activity or any control of the horn flies or uh, effect of those populations were contributed back to the, the Alpsid product that we were testing. Hornfly populations were, were monitored using photographs. So a lot of times livestock or veterinary entomologists will, will go out and estimate the number of hornflies on cattle. And if you have trained entomologists, they get really good at, at getting their eyes set and and can estimate that number really well. But the more accurate way to do that is to take good quality images and have those images transferred back to somebody that that can count those that was offered. And, And we certainly took advantage of that. They were analyzed using a counting system that was developed by Oklahoma State and their livestock entomology lab. And those like you mentioned earlier, the pictures were sent to me and, and we counted them all here in Dallas on our computers. Cow-cap weights and body condition scores were also recorded monthly just to see if, if any uh, differences were seen there between treated and control group.
0: You mentioned feeding the mineral one month before the horn fly season began. How long does the product take to work once it's ingested by the cattle?
2: Yeah, so a lot of that just depends on residence time through that digestive tract, and in most of our studies, and Doug can probably comment from a animal science nutrition standpoint that that residence time is about three days for for it to be consistently deposited in the manure. So we like if we started feeding something uh, on day zero, we see that the the levels of the active ingredient steadily climb and plateau out at three days. And as long as that animal continuously consumes the dosage of the active ingredient, it'll plateau and remain there until you stop feeding it.
0: That's good to know. Can you describe the active ingredient in the treated mineral and how it works on horn flies?
2: Yeah, the active ingredient in in AlphaCid is S-methoprene. And S-methoprene is an insect growth regulator. And the way it works is You know, when a developing insect, an immature insect is exposed to methoprene, either through absorption or, you know, consuming that active ingredient their natural biochemistry is altered in such a way where they get to a certain stage of the development and are unable to complete their immature cycle. So in the case of horn flies, the the eggs will hatch and those larvae will develop in that manure. But once they get finished with their larval stage, if they're exposed to methoprene-treated manure... They're going to go ahead and pupate, and the pupae are are little red. They look like little small grains of rice, for your reference. But um, that's where all the metamorphosis takes place. All the changes from something that looks like a maggot to an adult fly takes place in that in that pupal stage. And and when exposed to methoprene in that pupil stage, the adult, the developing adult would never be able to go through all of those changes. They'll stay in that pupil stage and die there.
0: Does the treated mineral pose any risks to native insects such as dung beetles?
2: We've done studies on some of these beneficial insects in the U.S. over the years. That's a common question that we get, and obviously we don't want to affect any non-target species. So one of the most prevalent dung beetle species in the U.S is Anthophagus taurus. And we've done some work at a university in the the eastern part of the U.S. and shown that methoprene at the levels that that we're feeding to affect horn flies uh, has no impact on those beneficial insects, including the dung beetle.
0: The main activities during the trial were taking weekly pictures and documenting the mineral utilization, as you've alluded to already. Can you further describe the method and considerations in taking the weekly pictures of fly pressure on the cow herd groups, and how fly counts were determined from those pictures.
2: Yeah, so we had those pictures, and we we typically have uh, horn fly assessments in these type of studies done weekly. And the reason behind that is is the life cycle of the horn fly in optimal conditions in the middle of the summer, or you know when you have enough moisture and heat present, they're going to go from egg to adult in about a week. You know, and that well, that's temperature and humidity related. But having said that, populations can can change pretty rapidly. So if we were taking counts once a month or something like that, you might miss a lot of critical data points in between those monthly counts. So so we usually try and take weekly counts. It was easy to to line that up and have those pictures taken, and and they were all labeled by the. Technicians that were taking those pictures and then emailed to us here in Dallas. And then the way that, that they're counted is we, we put those pictures all in a presentation, a PowerPoint presentation, and overlay a, a grid onto those slides. And then you're able to count, you know, there may be 100, 120 individual squares on that animal that gets overlaid. And you're able to count more accurately each individual fly that's in those, those individual squares. So that's how the counts were done. And and really there's, you know, there's no fancy counting software or anything that we have. It's somebody either counting or having a clicker counter that helps in those heavily infested animals that, you know, sometimes they get up into several hundreds or or maybe thousands of flies per animal. I will add that, pictures were just taken up one side of the animal. And so, you know, the, the economic threshold, and we may get into that a little bit later, but the economic threshold is 200 flies per animal or a hundred horn flies per side. So, you know, the idea is to keep the population below that economic threshold.
0: And how many pictures would they take per herd per week to send? Would they just take a picture, say, of one individual animal, or are they sending multiple pictures of animals within that herd?
2: Oh, no. We, we asked that there would be um, a minimum of 15 animals that were photographed each week, and many times more animals than that were uh, photographed and sent in. And then those were all averaged out and put into the calculations to calculate percent control.
0: And how was the level of control calculated for a given time point, which you've kind of already discussed?
2: Yeah, that formula that we use is the average number of flies in the control group minus the average number of flies in the treated group divided by the average number of flies in the control group multiplied by 100, and that gives you a percentage of control.
0: From previous trials of Altacid in the United States, can you describe the effectiveness expected when using treated mineral?
2: What we always like to see is reducing the hornfly population and and maintaining that below the economic threshold. And there's a lot of things that factor into the fluctuation of hornflies throughout the season, you know, depending on where you are, you know, obviously with a treated mineral like this, as Doug mentioned earlier, you know, intake can vary depending on a whole host of different things, whether that's forage quality, dry matter content, we have rainfall events that can affect the hornfly population. We've seen over the years when we've done studies in the states and monitored individual animal intake that you may have a few animals in each herd that don't eat any mineral for whatever reason. And in those cases, you know, those animals are depositing untreated manure. So, so there's always going to be some hornflies present using this type of control option. But again, the goal is to keep them below the economic threshold.
0: For this specific trial at MBFI, we observed an average of 53% control in hornfly numbers across the trial period, ranging from 83% to 10%. What stood out to you in regards to hornfly presence between the cattle who are consuming alt mineral and those who are not?
2: Yeah, I think when you start looking at the data, we we do see that even in the treated group, we bounce above that economic threshold line a few times during the study, but the majority of the time when we did, it was not significantly above. Whereas the untreated group, once it went above the economic threshold, it continued to climb and maintained population levels above that economic threshold for the majority of, of the study period until we got into mid-September, late September, when it started to drop off and and the weather ended up restricting hornfly population. So, you know, that was that, that's the biggest thing that stands out to me is that from our standpoint, we want to make sure that the animals are consuming the product and getting the active ingredient to the manure paths where we can affect that corn fly population. And then the the uh, weight gain and the production data that was calculated or, or captured in the, in the study and then ultimately calculated. That was interesting and something that we always like to try and link up in how these fly populations are affecting productivity and ultimately the bottom line for the, for the cattle producer.
0: You've mentioned the economic threshold a couple of times. So in the summary of the report for this project, it discussed that the economic threshold of 100 horn flies per side of the animal in beef cattle was exceeded on June 30th, and then again on July 14th to September 8th in the control or untreated Johnson Farm Group for 10 weeks. Where does the economic threshold come from, and why is this important?
2: Yeah, that's a number that, that was put in place way back by uh, livestock entomologists. And it just tends to be the agreed-upon economic threshold amongst the livestock entomology communities today. What that really means is that anything above that, that threshold would warrant some sort of treatment intervention or, or you, the producer would see benefits in, in treating those animals. If you're below that line, you're probably not going to see a significant increase in productivity from those animals. If say you have 50 flies per side, it's just not a large enough population to affect those animals.
0: Great. Thank you. And we have a couple of questions for you again in just a minute or two. Doug, before we get back to Casey, in the report graph of mineral utilization, it was observed that the highest and most consistent mineral consumption with the rotational grazing group and more variable consumption with the continuously grazing group, both who were receiving treated mineral. How does this align with your understanding of free choice mineral utilization in the prairies?
1: Yeah, I I think this is a pretty typical example of what we see out there in the industry. You know, if you can keep your cattle groups a little tighter, a little closer in containment fields, you'll see more utilization. You're using that system to be able to, you know, do those once over grazing programs and that. But cattle are around the mineral feeders more often that way you know, 25 cows per mineral feeder staged in a few different areas. is normal, what we see, as you see larger pastures spread out all over, congregation of those grazing situations. Typically, we have our mineral feeders closer to the water source. You know, that's where the cattle are going to be coming. We always, if you don't have enough feeders out, you're always going to have, typically your boss cows consuming a lot of the, the mineral and don't give uh, the rest of the herd sometimes the opportunity to eat mineral. So that's why we, you know, do recommend enough feeders out for larger herds and that. But this is normal, what we see, you know, through the prairies of uh, confinement feeding versus larger grazing pastures.
0: If producers are using a rotational grazing system, would you then recommend that they move those feeders with the cattle on, say, a daily or weekly basis, kind of based on when they're doing their moves?
1: Yes. Strongly, you know, suggested to do that. Uh, we do know that if your pastures and paddocks are beside each other, that that manure, you know, even right beside, if they've just left that one and onto a new one, those horn flies will be looking for a source of fresh manure. And at least if the mineral feeder follows the cows into the paddocks, they have the opportunity to eat that mineral every day and get that treatment every day. And still, the fresh manure, you know, will be in those paddocks where they just moved out of or the present one that they're in. So. It definitely suggested to move them with the cows.
0: Casey, how big of a role would the more variable mineral consumption in the treated continuous group have on trial results where we saw the fly counts creep over that economic threshold despite being lower than the untreated control?
2: Yeah, I think consumption could be one of the factors that plays into the populations creeping over that economic threshold. It's probably not the only one. If you overlay some of those fly count data charts over the rainfall events, you know, we certainly see rainfall impacting those populations and creeping up. If you were to ask me what I would prefer, you know, on a product that is labeled for 100, 100 gram consumption, I would. I would like every animal to eat 100 grams, but they don't read the labels, and there's a lot of things that that uh, impact that, like we've discussed multiple times today. And so, you know, if all those animals or the animals in the herd average the uh, 100 grams per day, I think we're we're sitting in a good spot and. And there's always gonna be a little bit of variability and maybe the consumption and certainly the fly population over the horn fly seasons. So some of that has to be considered when using a, a product like this. And expectation levels are are critical to keep in check and, and just know that you know you're not gonna get to to zero and it's probably not gonna stay at zero, even if it if it dips down to zero every once in a while, there's there's liable to be a small Resident population that, that we're never able to completely wipe out, and that's just the nature of the beast with a feed-through product
0: Great, thank you, and Doug, we have a few more questions for you before we wrap up. Over the trial period, we did not observe an impact on cow weights or body condition scores, but there was an increase in the weaning weight as a percent of the dam weight in the treated group. Can you provide some context on how this observation may be linked to lower horn fly pressure?
1: Yeah, well, I, I do. Uh, it was an interesting study, and and results of uh, seeing the younger cows with the higher percent of body weight. Yeah, you know, we we did notice that. You know, they, they definitely were at the Brookdale farm and more of the mob grazing or the rotational grazing pastures versus the the bigger mature cows at the Johnson farm. Like we say, it, it definitely shows there is variability in this product on some of the intakes but we did we did see some of the results that the product that uh, they were they were consuming when you look at percent of body weight it means that they were out grazing they were milking you know a little better partially maybe from the product partially from the pasture situation that they were eating but uh, it was an interesting result uh, from you know the two groups it was it was one of those things that uh, I think we we would see that in a lot of different grazing situations body condition score definitely does come back into play depending on the environment and the forage that you're eating along with uh, the weather and fly populations. We know that is all part of a correlation.
0: I'm thinking from an economic perspective, as well as that of herd health, why is this an important topic for producers to be thinking about?
1: I think the biggest advantage of a product like Alda said, is that it is so nice to be able to feed a, a mineral, With a product like this in it, you know, starting all the way through, everybody needs a mineral program out there. The economic opportunity for a product like this is that you don't have to be typically pulling animals to be able to do other fly control methods out there. You know, a lot of the methods that you have to do, you have to repeat. So there is a cost relationship to labor, to other products that you are using for, for control, where if you can feed it, an animal and it works and it works well and the program works well for you it's just a little easier thing just to be able to keep an eye on the on the mineral feeders and keep them full versus having to round up cows and and using different products out there to look after the fly control
0: and we didn't talk about this earlier but is this a complete mineral as well as offering that fly control
1: yes it is yes Uh, this this product is is balanced For summer grazing, you know, products, the macro and micro uh, minerals, nutrients that they're getting and, you know, balances typically with Manitoba, Saskatchewan or any summer grazing pastures and forages that are used out in the industry.
0: And can you share details on the product's current availability and uptake in Manitoba?
1: Yes, well, the Altus with the IGR is is very new. It's, this is just the, the second year that we've had it out. The first year was a trial uh, that we got it registered in Canada. The other product was the Emerald. It's been out for a number of years. I think the biggest thing is that, you know, the product is available throughout our dealer network across Canada. It's a product that I think is going to be more opportunity For people, as they learn about it, anybody that's in a high fly population, there's an advantage of a product like this. So I think the biggest thing is for ourselves is just make sure the dealers are, you know, working with the customer base around them and there's opportunity for producers to be able to pick up the product.
0: And do you know off the top of your head what the cost of it will be for this upcoming year?
1: That varies quite a bit just due to the price of ingredients, whether it's some of the, the micronutrients and or macros and then the vitamins is another part of it. So that, that is a mo- little bit of a moving target. We do know that, you know, from a plain product, Altacid or, or Onyx or Emerald, you know, with the IGR in it, it's usually around that $10 a bag. But we look at the economic opportunity of the investment and any mineral program is an investment in one's herds. And I think you have to look at, you know, what that $10 investment is going to cost you over a grazing period of 120, 140 days or whatever. And, you know, the opportunity that it has for these cows to be out grazing, producing more milk. So weaning weights, body condition scores, where you're going to get your advantage and your ROI on investment like this. And as far as the, the products themselves, any mineral is a, an investment in an operation and least this one has an opportunity to be able to look after flies with other products
0: and to kind of just wrap everything up that we've talked about today overall how does the altacid treated mineral fit into an integrated pest management strategy for beef producers
1: I think as far as a strategy, everybody has got, uh, you know, everybody should have a mineral program in front of their cows at 365, let alone uh, summer months. But I guess the biggest thing is, is that, you know, we do know that, you know, intense fly populations do take away from profitability of an operation. So I think everybody should be able to look at it as, like I said, as an investment in, in, your, in your own financial future of weaning those calves and or, you know, body condition on cows, you know, going into the winter. That's the idea of trying to get uh, as much gain on these calves as we can. And is in good shape, coming back, rebreeding, getting bred, short calving intervals. You know, that's the whole idea of a a mineral program. And our product and our program has those opportunities out there if somebody wants to use them.
0: And is there anything else either of you would like to share about horn flies or about the Altacid mineral product that we may have missed so far?
2: Yeah, I'll jump in and just say, you know, I, I think it's fairly common knowledge that, that these horn flies are are a very pervasive pests and they affect these animals tremendously. Uh, in the U.S., they account for over a billion dollars worth of damage to the, the cattle industry on an annual basis. You know, these little guys, both males and females, feed on blood and they feed up to 35, 40 times per day, each fly does. So, you know, they're constantly irritating these animals and cause a lot of discomfort and and affect productivity and and normal grazing patterns and that sort of thing. So, you know, there's a lot of different options when it comes to horn fly control. Feed through type product like Alphacet incorporated into free choice product is a great option. It's As Doug mentioned earlier, everybody already knows that they should be on a, a mineral program. So you've already got your labor taking place, putting out mineral. And so you you incorporate a fly control active ingredient or product into that mineral and, and you really let the cattle do the treatment. They consume the treated mineral, it passes through and is deposited all over that pasture and in the manure where those adult hornfly females have to lay their eggs. Hornflies only lay eggs in fresh cattle manure. We know exactly where they're going to be laying their eggs and we can treat that. So it's, it's a great tool. It's a, it's a good option. The other thing that I'd add is that there has been no documented resistance to s the active ingredient, in alphacid uh, in field populations of horn flies. So you you kind of face that with some of the adulticide options that are available, whether it's sprays or pour on ear tags, and some of those things, back rubbers. So, you know, there's no resistance. And like I said, you know, labor's already included in. So it's very efficient way to control these guys.
0: The economic impact that you shared, that amount is just huge in the United States. I don't know what that number would be like in Canada, just based on our cattle population, but but that's a big number of dollars lost just because of, of the hornfly pressure. Doug, did you have anything that you'd like to add before we wrap up?
1: No, I think we're good. We've covered lots. Definitely, if anybody's interested, we've got a lot of documentation Paul Crop and I have done a lot of meetings in Manitoba and Saskatchewan, you know, Alberta, uh, with a presentation about the opposite and uh, the mineral that we sell. So if, you know, if anybody's interested, we can definitely uh, get out and have a visit. You know we do have documentation of the studies and stuff like that uh, that have been done. And uh, yeah, this thanks for the opportunity to be able to speak with you.
0: Well, thanks, both of you for joining me. Before we end, if listeners are interested in more information or they want to try the product, where can they find you? Or how can they get a hold of you, I guess?
1: A couple of different ways. Email or uh, my cell phone, 204-724-2652. Or my email is doug underscore allison at cargill.com. Those would be the two places that uh, they can reach me and then i will be able to help them uh, with any questions they have or where the opportunity to be able to purchase the product.
0: Perfect. And I'll add both of those to the show notes. Casey, did you want to add your contact information as well in case people want any more information?
2: Yeah, certainly. Uh, anything that would be product related, you know, you could find a lot of information, resources, calculators, all kinds of things on our website. It's www.alpacsidigr.com. Or if there's questions for me personally, my email is cwhite@central.com. Or you can call me at my office 972-88-8591. And I'd certainly be happy to answer any questions. And if we don't know the answer, we'll, we'll find it for you.
0: Great. Well, thank you both so much for joining me for this episode today. I really appreciate your time in both preparing for the episode and also in recording. So just thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: For this project, MBFI would like to mention and send a big thank you To both Cargill and Central Life Sciences for their contributions in making this project possible. The research programs and daily operations at MBFI would not be possible without funding from the Province of Manitoba, Government of Canada, and Canadian Agricultural Partnership, as well as partnership with Manitoba Agriculture, Manitoba Beef Producers, Ducks Unlimited Canada, and the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Just wanted to let listeners know that this episode was recorded in January of 2023. I will be taking a short leave from MBFI and in order for there not to be a disruption to the podcast and the release of regular episodes, we decided to record a few episodes ahead of time and have them ready for you so you could still get the content from us on a regular basis. So if it seems like some of the information or the content is being talked about ahead of time that is now in the past, that is the reason for this. joining us for another episode of beef and forage roundup for more information on the on-farm projects or upcoming extension events please visit us on facebook instagram or twitter at mb beef and forage for full project reports and more information about mbfi please visit our website mbfi.ca If you have feedback on the show, questions about content, are interested in becoming a project supporter, or want to submit a proposal for a research project topic, please email information at mbfi.ca. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe to ensure you don't miss an upcoming episode. We've got lots to share.